have I ever told you the story of when I got arrested on the Spirit of Tasmania? No. Is that a real story? Yes. <laughs> well, we're recording if you want to do it while you shuffle. Do you want an intro? You can. This can be the intro. You can just talk to me about it. All right. The story begins in Tasmania. And we just done a terrible tour there. And no one came to any of our shows. And what era was this? Can you give us a time frame? Like 2000 and... Probably 2010, maybe. Okay. 2009, 2010. And we had a guy who toured with us and his job was pretty much just to keep the band out of trouble. And I was like, does the, um, does the spirit of Tasmania have sniffer dogs? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, they've just got um, fruit fly dogs. I'm like, oh, sweet. So there's this big shed that you can't see into that you've got to go through to get to the spirit of Tasmania. And we pull in and there's a, there's a, a, a plethora or a plethora I of plethora. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just heaps of them, little beagles, um, little drug gremlins running around. And then one comes into my car and I'm like, hello boy, how are you? I'm just trying to distract him. I'm waving a sausage, you know, like a line of sausages. Yeah. Yeah. Like all connected, throwing them away. Yeah. And he sits down. I'm like, you bastard. (laughs) And, um, the cop comes over and he goes, g'day mate. How you going? Um, I I just need you to come over and talk to me for a second. I'm like, yeah, sure. I go over and he goes, all right. Um, are there any drugs in this bag? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, what's in there? I'm like in that pocket. There's a, there's a joint. And he's like, right, okay, okay. Is there anything else in there? Because if there is, I might get angry. And I'm like, uh, no, that's it, man. He looks through my bag. He's like, all right, well, I've called the narcotics cops and they'll be here shortly. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's the narcs. Anyway, the, the narcs rock up. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and play this cool. And I'm like, g'day, lads. Sorry to get you out in the cold. And they're like, oh, mate, don't worry about it. And then the dude looks at the joint and goes, oh, mate unlucky (laughs) and they're like well this is the first time you've been caught in Tasmania so that's a warning Uh, if we catch you twice you'll have to see a counsellor and if we catch you a third time in Tasmania you will have to do a course (laughs) right and then I'm like oh uh, uh, cool and then the other cop like in a perfect duo comedy timing hands me a leaflet and goes this is for your horrible horrible addiction (laughs) Then they all turned and left and I got on the boat. <laughs> they gave me a receipt for my joint. I just got it to this day. Like a like a warning slip? No, no. They, well, no I got a warning slip, but they give you a receipt for anything that they have claimed off you. Really? Yeah. So it's like one marijuana cigarette. Yeah, one jazz cigarette. What did they write? What did they, what did they refer to it as? Marijuana? Oh, I can't. I think it's, yeah, marijuana cigarette. And that was my first and only trip to Tasmania. all right um you gotta pull the card before i can do the whole spiel okay all right so just give it a good shuffle though first i've been shuffling oh you've been shuffling i'll give it one last shuffle the the sounds definitely come through the microphones now which is great fantastic all right and so it's just one card off the top or the bottom whatever jumps out at you last episode it literally fell out of the deck and we just picked Ooh. all right I don't know what to do because it literally says nothing on it. Okay. Do you want to describe the card and then I'll get you to read out what it is? Okay. What it is, is a, is a 
I kind of well there's a cloudy sky let me start with that it's a okay. cloudy sky grey sky um there's two men in the distance um who are the cut the yellow of of the Vegemite logo um <laughs> looking over an ocean and there's a dude there looking kind of sus and happy with himself and he's holding three swords and he's got two swords on the ground around him he's stolen everyone's swords and uh, everyone everyone's crying about it that's it that's the one okay <laughs> so you pulled the five of swords so your episode will be called johnny galvatron five of swords so, that's great do you want to read about the five of swords for the listeners so they can get a vibe of what's gonna what could be in store potentially tonight for all right episode? let me paint you a word picture about the five of swords it's defeat self-defeat arguments irritability feeling attacked um when the five of swords appears it is time to ask yourself um if what you are fighting for is worth it um you may be able to win now but at what cost Mm. um you may say words you can never take back in an argument with a loved one you may be clinging tightly to an idea that is not actually the important that important in the big picture of your life hurting others in the process and etc it, 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 it goes on like that shit's shit's fucked up <laughs> uh the five swords is telling you that winning may not be the most important thing right now oh nonsense it's fun the only thing can i look through your photos what photos what in your phone i mean no no, it's fine don't worry (laughs) (laughs) we were just talking the other day about um there's a i think it's a twitter about like what seinfeld would be if seinfeld was still on it's called like real seinfeld or seinfeld now i don't know listeners find a way to find it and they just come up with modern situations that the way seinfeld people would handle it and one of them would be um, George hands his phones to someone and they swipe on the pictures and they then swipe, like Jerry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they swipe you never swipe yeah and that's exactly that's exactly what it would be like so don't swipe looking at my pictures on my yeah, phone sorry yeah Hey, welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode four. I'm joined by Johnny Galvatron. Thank you for being part of the show, mate. Man, I'm always part of your shows. That's true. You were, this is the second guest to have, well, technically Matt was there. I'm pretty much just doing all the Key of Solomon people first because they will say yes. And I know they sound good on mic. And then I'll move into some scary new territory as well. Cool. Where are you going to venture out to? Have you got, is there an end point? Is it Alex Jones? Yeah, dude. If I could get to that level, like four hours a day of just, Screaming! I don't even think I could scream for four hours. The dude from the Deftones can't do that. They have to cancel halfway through every tour. <laughs> he only has to sing for an hour. He whispers most of his lyrics anyway. Like, oh, he does whisper half of them, doesn't? He? That's because that's he doesn't mean to. So wait, he can't even do a full tour because he, he only screams them. half the time. That means he can only do like a quarter of the real work of a singer. He he could never be a conservative radio host. <laughs> so you pulled the five of swords. The thing I heard about that that kind of resonated with me was um, like what you're working on, are you willing to fight for it? And I think that strikes me, you know, that that's very you because, you know, over your very short career, you're a young guy. How old are you now? I'm 48. <laughs> I'm, I feel 48 this year. Um, I'm 33. No, am I 34? I'm 33 or four. Yeah. So yeah. when you think of a, a, a prolific artist... 
you know you know like they've got lots of time but you in such a short time you've done band you've done mm. a bit of writing and now you're making a video game mm. now I don't want to like dwell on anything that we probably may have talked about on the last episode even sure. though this sounds way better than the other episode we've sounded so don't go back and listen to it because our uh, balls have dropped oh <laughs> You've got better. You do have a better mic. This yeah, that's right. Mic. Better mics, man. Um, so anyway, I just I want to mainly focus on the game. Mm. Now it's just called the Artful Escape. Now it used to be called. Um, you dropped words. Is that the correct? Artful Escape of Francis Vendetti. Is which, that is, is it still fully called that? I don't think so. No, <laughs> uh, the I, the publisher was like, maybe that's a bit long, and yeah. I was like, you're probably right. So it's just called the Artful Escape now. Yeah, due out hopefully sometime next year, 2020. Um, and I want to talk about the kind of evolution of making a game, which mm. it sounds kind of ridiculous when you <laughs> like, do you ever, do you find yourself at parties and be like, oh, what do you do? You're like, oh, I'm, I'm making a video game. And they'd kind of just like look at you or laugh at you or like, what's the response you get when you tell people that? Um, usually I just, if I'm at a party, I say I do fax repair. <laughs> um, uh, cause I was, that, that's almost too interesting now. People are like, wow, that's fax incredible um uh, but for real like does that come up often like how do you explain what you do yeah because uber drivers always ask you what you do Mm. all the time um yeah i mean i guess there's a range of responses usually it's like oh it's pretty cool because you know i don't think there's heaps of crew in melbourne who do it although Mm. i have discovered how big the scene is lately um and and how how have you kind of discovered the scenes? Big is it by going to conferences or like yeah going yeah? To... I mean, just you know, I'm still pretty fresh in the game, mm. so um, yeah, just meeting people from different companies. You're like a little young rock and roll new kid on the block who just you know gets a computer and a Unity engine and thinks he can uh, Unreal Engine. Oh, use Unreal Engine. Sorry, Unreal Engine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the um... <laughs> oh, you know, uh, dashed onto the scene, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think when you came on the podcast, it would have probably been on about mm, four or five years ago. So since that time... Was I, I making it then? It was I something... Was. I think you were doing it like in your living room. Like mm. there was a tablet next to the computer and you were kind of doing it there. And now we're actually recording this right in the heart of Melbourne, in the CBD, in your office that has was it seven desks. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like you had seven people. Or yeah. six people? You've got some people offside as well. How many, yeah, yeah. How many employees do you have? Oh, it, it fluctuates, uh, you know, seven, between seven and nine usually. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of uh, beginning to make a game in your living room and now being transplanted into Melbourne CBD with employees, with a cool vibe, there's posters on the wall. It's very game oh, studio We It's beanbags. It's, you know, it's a, there's no ping pong table, but yeah. It's, um, there's like a margarita machine in the corner. Yeah, you know. Yeah. There's um, every toilet has a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they have at Google? You with reckon several like, settings? What? Like Google, when I think tech, they've always got weird furniture, mm. like eccentric carpet. Mm. You know, and then yeah, a bidet in every toilet. Is that true? Um, have you been to Google? I've not been to Google. I've been to Bad Robot. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I told you that story. It's, You've, I think you've touched on it. Now, for listeners, if you don't know, Bad Robot is a production company run by J.J. Abrams. Um, he's responsible for what? Uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. Um, yeah. What else Lost. has Bad Robot done? Lost. Um, the Mission Impossible films. The Cloverfield movies? Yes. I want to say yes to that. Mm. Um, 
All right. So how did you get there? You want to tell us about wait, that? Wait, wait, yeah. Let, we'll come back to this story. Have we leapt? I think I've asked. So yeah, people think it's like, oh yeah, when you're a thing, tell us about no, Tell us about the evolution of... Um, yeah, yeah, let's go back. How you got from you, just you to being in an actual office. Yeah, yeah. Well, first I was just doing... Uh, I think the most exciting thing that happened in a couple of years was that I was on your podcast. That was <laughs> that was the only thing that was happening in my life. You made it. Um, yeah, I was in rock band for a while, toured a lot. Uh, hated touring went back thought hey I should really do something where I never have to leave the house ever again so I started to write a novel and it was pretty good I had some people interested in it um, some companies interested in it and um, <laughs> not just like not your mum being like, like it's yeah, good yeah, yeah it's lovely I like I love the when he plays the piano it's lovely <laughs> um, and when, when I had the, the idea to start the Galvatrons, which was my band, I was like, oh, I can see like what this is going to be and where it's going to land and, you know, the trajectory of it. Um, and so when the, the Galvatrons happened very quickly, you were there. I was there. Um, and uh, when, I, when I was writing this novel, I had the idea for this game and I was learning about the indie game industry and what it took to make a game and stuff. And I was like, oh, I, I can see where this is going to land. Mm. It's my second good idea of my life. And I was like, oh, no, I think I can figure out where this is going to go and how I could do it. And so I dropped everything I was doing and started it, which is, you know, classic everyone around. It was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, yeah. my wife wasn't like that. My wife let that Megatron. She lets me do whatever. But um, yeah, everyone else was like, what are you doing? You've been writing this novel for like four years and you're just going to like throw it away. I was like, yes, got an idea. Um, and so I started making it ran into um, I just asked my friends if they knew anyone who made games mm-hmm. and that's how I met um, that's how I met Justin um, and Justin is a programmer on the game still works here and Justin isn't sold separately he comes with another guy called Sean <laughs> uh, who is now the lead programmer on the game and pretty much runs the show here um, and we did a Kickstarter and we didn't get, we didn't make the fun. We asked for way too much. It's kind of not the point when you do those sort of things, but it's kind of, it's like to get buzz, right. To get write ups on Kotaku and Polygon and things like that. I, I don't, I, it's kind of like when Trump went for like the presidency, you know, if I'd actually got all the money, I would have been like, Oh no, <laughs> I, 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 the Kickstarter got through. Oh my God. I have to give all these people toys now. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's funny, like if I could quickly interject, like I don't have yeah. much experience in this field, but I do know for a fact, like um, that guy, the sci-fi author, Neil Stevenson did a Kickstarter for this game. Um, and it was supposed to be like a realistic sword fighting first person thing. And like Neil claim- Stevenson, the like who did snow crash and yeah, stuff. Right. Yeah. I love snow crash. Yeah. I've yeah. never read any of his books because like, if I'm going to, I'm not much of a reader, but like hard cyberpunk sci-fi, like in the early yeah. To mid eighties is like, yeah. whoa, it's probably a bit intense for me to like start reading on. But <laughs> sure. listeners, Neil Stevenson, hardcore sci-fi, cyberpunky yeah. author, wanted to make this game on Kickstarter, got all his money, and then they developed it for like a year, two years, realized they needed they were way they were in way over their head, much yeah. like Trump, and then were yeah. like, We need more money, and then crap, and they just stopped. And then everyone who paid that Kickstarter never got that game. Yeah. From what, and now, look, this maybe it's developed since I last heard that story, but I think that's probably one of many stories that you could interchange with, like, someone asked for money, got it, didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... I thought I knew what I was doing. Like, I went in with the best interests. 
Um, but looking back, I was very naive. But anyway, we got some connections. One of those connections was a company called I Am 8-Bit. Um, and they make like the dopest video game like vinyl soundtracks. And, and they do all like the uh, crazy special releases and, um, you know, game of the year edition sort of thing. Cool. And I started talking to those guys and they're like, oh, we want you to meet these dudes from Annapurna. Which is Annapurna's film company. They made uh, Her with Joaquin Phoenix, Zero Dark Thirty, The Master, like oh. some fu- some like classics, some acclaimed movie gems yeah, of the last couple like, of years. Because they're quite like, a new company, right, Annapurna? I think they're like twelve years old, something mm. like that. Um, and so they started this interactive division with all the all these people who used to work at Sony, uh, Santa Monica, which makes some of the best games they do well and publish some of the best games um and they're like oh we're gonna come down to um to pax which is in melbourne which is a video game conference in melbourne now, stands for penny arcade expo for listeners in case they yes. i didn't actually know that yeah oh there you go <laughs> Did you, you knew that right no i, I had no idea yeah I like just, penny arcade like the web comics okay <laughs> I had no idea um so anyway, Annapurna people came to PAX. Yeah, they're like, um, it's in three months. They're like, you get a booth there? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you there. And so I hang out the phone and madly try and get a booth <laughs> at, at PAX. And I called in a few favors from people who I'd, you know, really only just met in the game industry. Like just at, uh, like me just tottering along to community nights or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So got a booth. Developed the game in three months. Spent, I think we're up almost two nights in a row getting it finished to go onto the floor. We had to like beg someone for a TV because we were all like, none of us had any money. I was so broke. Um, and when we got there, everyone had these like amazing setups with like, yeah. you know, vines and everything. I'm like, oh, well, we got like a, f- a 12 inch television and, <laughs> you know, like nothing. We're like, fuck. We stayed up all another night getting all this stuff together. What did you do? What did you make for I it? went... Well, I have heaps of band gear. Oh. So I was like... I brought in all my cases and guitar pedals and shit and set it all up. It looked all right in the end. And then first thing in the morning, on the first morning... Actually, one one step back. First person who ever played it was another... Uh, a woman who had a booth next to us. She was the first one who ever played the game. It was like... The, it was fresh off the build, you know? Yeah. And she's like... Oh, I just don't really like it. That <laughs> was the first person we played. <laughs> I was just like, something along those lines. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the longest three days of my life, you know. And did and she give you a reason as to why she didn't like it? Like, was I it- can't remember. Her game was crap. <laughs> 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 anyway. Um, and although I will say that, yeah, there was so many cool games in the indie section. But... Um, Annapurna rocks up half an hour after the event starts. Well, so we're like three months and everything in, of, or, you know, a year of my life. Then they're there and they play it. And I'm just like off to the side as they, as they play it. And the dude, uh, Nathan, who, um, uh, works at, he works on God of War and God of War two. And, um, it's one of the big guys at Annapurna. And he just looks at me and like nods and gives me the thumbs up. And then they all played it and they're like, we'll be back in a bit. And they came back like, can you do lunch tomorrow? 
I'm like, yeah. And then they offered me the contract the next day. Wow. And that was it. I was broke. I was dead broke. <laughs> and um, with little options going forward. Uh, I probably could have tried to sell the game to someone else. But that was... I really wanted to get on Annapurna. And what kind of freedoms or... Like, why Annapurna? I mean, there's a lot of game publishers out there mm. that would want to pick up something like this. What kind of drew you to Annapurna? Um, was it the kind of Santa Monica connection and the stuff you've talked about already? Yeah, like, like I mean, my all-time favorite game, Journeys, from there. So it's like, those guys had published that and worked on it. Um, that's so funny. My friend Alice, who I was showing today, footage of your game, she said it looks like Journey. So... That's, um, there you go. There's a little bit of... That's obviously an intentional influence I don't know if on intentional. you, you I think we've spoken about this before. It's just, you know, everyone's an amalgamation of... Everyone's creative output is an amalgamation of the stuff they dig, you know. Completely. So. And uh, I guess that's... It's a funny little segue to talk about how the Artful Escape is just you. Like, if, if you could, like, kind of dissect your brain. Yeah. And, like, put it into a video game. It's kind mm. of everything that is you, which is such a unique combination of things. Yeah, well, I mean, I really have always just been like, you know, you, you and I were white Caucasian males in a first world country. I've always, you know, I've always had opportunities uh, to do fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I, I spent years writing, spent years making music, um, always like you, you and me have always enjoyed making films. And, yeah. And um, this is like... And I, you know, I've always been a bit of a, like a, a computer nerd. If that's what do you even call that now? You, no one's nerds. If you use a computer, everyone uses a computer. It's I'm, we're an interesting I'm crossroads. Always been c- computer efficient, <laughs> and um, um, and yeah, you get to do everything. I mean, the the that's what's so much fun about game dev or being like the creative lead on game dev. It's like one day I'm just writing screenplay, and the next day I'm like doing some plot stuff. And then I'm then I'm making trees, and yeah. Then, and then when, I'm populating a world. Listeners, when I called Johnny the other night to organise this, you said you were in the middle of working on a giant. What were you working on? Like a piano set or something? You were talking about how like it's going to be a thing in the game where it's going to be like a what was it? Like a theatre or something? You mentioned on the phone. There's the the um, like going to be like a piano theatre thing with like <laughs> yeah. you were describing it. And I was uh, like, what? I, was, I, I think I was making a um. A big auditorium that are filled with um, a laser fish. <laughs> there we go. That um, was probably it. Yeah, and then I was. You recently, I was. They they fly across space in a stolen Viennese opera house, um, and we built a whole opera house, like a really dope one. I'll have to show it to you later. Um, <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, I think what we should do is for the listener who have just been confused by Vienna Opera House Laserfish, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of the game? Because I think... Uh, sure. Listeners, if you play games, it's probably not going to be what you expect. And listeners, if you don't play games at all, that's totally not what you expect. It's... So can you give us like a... Li- like on the surface, mm. it is a 2D platformer, like say a Mario or whatever. Like it's he's a, running across a 2D yeah. plane. Well, it's... Too- yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's it's a two point five D game. Yes, so that's um, what you refer to it as when it's like everything's got a bit of render to it and a, depth. It's got depth to it. Yeah, it's like a, but essentially he's running on like a a, a Z axis or a Y axis. It depends. It depends what program you use or <laughs> what form of mathematics you use. He's running across ways. He's, he's running in X. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, and it, it's about a teenage musician who um is the nephew of uh, a very famous folk singer, like a Bob Dylan sort of character, 
His name's Johnson Vendetti. He's played by Luke Heinsohn. Who's that? Do you not know Luke Heinsohn? He's from Geelong. No. Oh, sorry. Listeners getting, getting G, getting, talking about G-Troit. Um, um, tell me about, how did you cast Johnson Vendetti? Yeah, well, he's a friend of mine. I've worked with him for years. I've played in like, we've played in bands together. Oh, okay. And, um, he's a lovely guy. He's a school teacher now. And he just makes really dope kind of folk music. And I listened to one of his tracks um, called The Banks of the River Aligned with Gold. I was like, man, that's such a good track. And I was like, I want to, I want to, I want you to make me like five, um, kind of like seventies folk tracks. If you channel a bit of that Bob Dylan kind of era Mm. and yeah, he made the best like EP, he wrote EP and it was, we recorded it. We're going to release it on vinyl, I think through I am a bit. Wow. Amazing. And, um, Yeah, the game, the game. So yeah, Francis <laughs> so Vendetti. That's just to- that's just the uncle of the character that yeah, you play. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be doing a re- an album release. Um, so uh, the- yeah, so John, yeah, Francis, teenage musician. Uh, he's about to do his first show. He's kind of in the shadow of this uh, famous folk singer, and um, he goes on a cosmic journey uh, to inspire his stage persona because Francis realizes that he'll always be attached. Um, by name to his uncle so he creates a stage persona to um, step outside of that limelight is there a cheat code where you can just do like a Nick Cage and just change your name and then the game ends and you don't have to worry (laughs) I think um, we're working on that yeah Yeah, cool (laughs) Um, so the game so you're running around in the game you have a little guitar that like you have a holographic guitar yeah that just kind of pops in yeah we try and use music in I've never really played a game where I felt it was like playing music like you play guitar hero but you know i've never been on stage looking at the notes you know what i mean like kirk cobain's not thinking about what chord comes next in smells like teen spirit (laughs) you know he knows (laughs) so um i wanted i wanted to try and to make the music feel effortless like have you played the arkham games yeah the the fighting in those games is quite simple but whatever Batman's doing on screen is epic because yeah. fighting as Batman should feel effortless. You know, it should feel amazing. It, 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 should, it shouldn't be like Tekken. Yeah. You know? And it, it essentially wrote the book on, you know, combat in games for the, like the next 10 years after that, you know, like if you look at, um, like Shadow of War and mm. Mad Max and like a lot of them are Warner Brothers games, but like mm. a lot of them had that, that's the counter button, these enemies do this. Yeah. It was a bit of a watershed game, Arkham. Yeah, it really it, was. Really good game. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to do a music version of that, which is like a tricky thing to do because music, you know, obviously is always in a key. Um, so to, to try and make it so you can pull out a guitar and do all these different things with the guitar, but still have an extremely musical world was difficult to get right. Um, but me and I work with a guy called Josh Abrahams. Um, he's the totally addicted to bass guy. Um, <laughs> uh, and wait, wait, we need to we need to unpack that. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, so, I've worked with with Josh. So this is the Aria award-winning producer guy that is doing music on the game. Yeah, but he is also the totally addicted to bass guy. Yeah, that's him. Are you serious? Yeah. Whoa, he's dope. Um, I've worked with him for years, years and years. As in, like, this is going back to Galvatron's days? Yeah, yeah, he did the Galvatron's demos that got us our record deal. Oh, wow. So I'm, so you just hit him up and said, hey, I'm making games now. Do you want to make I, I worked music? with him all, like, ever 
the Galveston. I was singing his stuff. If I have an idea, we'll just go over to his house and jam on it. He's like really awesome guy. So wait, is this secret music that you're making right now? Oh, we've made literally hours of music. What's it all for? For the game. So you sing like, are you doing like... A- uh, I don't... Uh, the, the singing I do in the game is very like choral. It's, there's no lyrics. I was going to say, you're not pulling like, is Johnny Galvatron getting like dusted off for this game? No. <laughs> is there going to be a Johnny Galvatron like character in the game? No. Oh, no, fuck. just just the has-been rock star. That's me. <laughs> That's based on me. Um, uh, yeah, so I work with Josh Abraham. <laughs> totally just a bass guy. And uh, <laughs> I was doing a... Um, I, was, I always love bringing up addicted to bass whenever we hang out it's like it's a great song it's but it's just for me and like being friends with josh it's always fun to just bring it up somehow and we were recording guitar the other day eden is francis vendetti in the game he plays the guitar all the guitar for we tried to get van halen but i'll tell that's another story (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you about that in a minute um and yeah, Josh was like, yeah, I really like the bass in that part. You know, I've played bass for years, you know, and I really like that bit. And there was just a long pause and he goes, some say you were even addicted to it. <laughs> I was like on the floor. That's like the pinnacle of comedy for me. A, a well-timed addicted to bass burn at Josh. <laughs> and, but Josh also did like Moulin Rouge and he's done all these films and, and he's done an incredible amount of work. Oh, sorry, my oh your phone's just rumbling. I wonder if the microphone's going to pick that up. I wonder. Is it important? No. I'm just going to turn it off. It's not like, <laughs> you know, it's a, not Kanye. award-winning producers no. texting you about stuff. So, okay. I was in the room when Kanye rang someone once and they put him on speakerphone and it was hilarious. But I don't know if I can... We can probably, you know... I don't know if I can tell that story. Okay, but we can... We should go back to the bad robot story because I think Wait, that's no, the no, one... Wait, no, I'm talking about Josh. Oh, okay. I'm talking about how we did the music for the game. Okay. That was where we were coming back So you to. got Eden playing guitar. Eden playing guitar. Eden so who's, who's Eden? Eden's just some guy. He owns a supermarket. No, uh, he does, though. <laughs> but, man, he can shred. <laughs> he can fucking shred. And is he, and, is he Australian-based for listeners? Yeah, he's a Melbourne guy. Okay. And, um, Which supermarket does he own? Can people go check I out? I can't... I've never been there. Ugh. I only know him when he's shredding. <laughs> you don't know when he's in R5 restacking the pretzels? I don't think he restacks pretzels. I think he hires people to oh, restack okay. pretzels. Um, so he's a sellout. It's a real fancy um, supermarket, from what I'm told. I think that I think that goes from supermarket to green grocer. I think when you're a grocer, that's like... Oh! That's a fancy supermarket. Okay, okay. Anyway. Where they've got like fresh squeezed juice in the front bit. Is it one of those ones? Or like oh, those gourmet... I don't know, man. I've never been there. You know, when you, I used to work in a fruit shop that backed next to a... You used to work at a fruit shop? Yeah. Don't. It was a Happy Apple on Union Road. Ascot Vale, baby. I almost spilled beer all over the microphone. <laughs> Don't do that. They're really expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I worked in a fruit shop and it backed next to a grocer and they were like a fancy grocer, Happy Apple. And they had like... Happy Apple? Happy Apple. Uh, yeah. Is this, why is that? It's a great name. It's got a, it's got, it's got a Stan Lee style. Happy Apple? Yeah, Happy Apple. Yeah. Happy, Happy Apple. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fuck it. So, Eden, oh, yeah, so he, he runs plays the guitar. And yeah, anyway, the thing with the game is you, um, we got it, we, we managed to compose it and record it in a way that like you can shred anywhere and play guitar anywhere and do all this cool stuff with your guitar. It's slide on your knees, make things explode, shred through the air. 
Um, I saw in one bit on YouTube, I was watching some kind of game walkthrough and it's like you hold one of the rifts to like float in air. Like that's your yeah. mechanic for... <laughs> yeah, for traversing. For, yeah, you yeah, got to like shred, shred your through the air. Mm. It's really fun. And it looked really good and it sounded good. So like, is that something that would was really difficult to try and yeah, make? Yeah, it was really, it was difficult to like compose in a way. I mean, sure, you, you can do it, you know, technically everything in the same key should sound fine together, but it's never that easy, is it? So... Yeah, we managed to uh, do a few. We do each world in a different key, and we managed to like try and change up the guitar tones in different worlds. Like sometimes a bit more Van Halen, sometimes a bit more like David Gilmour. Um, and I think this music for the game's fantastic. I'm really proud of it. So, so Eden's doing the guitar stuff, but you're also saying that you do music. So, what kind of stuff are you doing? Are you I usually doing... write the a lot of the stuff. So. so and for for listeners who are like thinking about how that works in the game so like there's music behind the whole thing mm-hmm. in all games but then you've got your core mechanic is based around a dude playing guitar so yeah. how do you make the background music and the guitar always kind of sync up or yeah well, I mean that was the challenge that was yeah. the challenge I mean the, the, you gotta make sure they're in the same key and, and then a key that works well when you're dancing over the top of it and what about like the like the beat does that, does that mean everything has to be like 4-4 four, four? like so it all lines up or? no no I mean Usually we try and we try and be more operatic or more symphonic with our rhythm. You know, you know, it, we have it in the game and it's worked quite well. It's amazing if you uh, if you have enough kind of rhythm and combine that with the right kind of spacing with the shredding, you can just chuck it over beats and it'll work. Huh. And there's I don't know if you've ever seen Dark Side of the Rainbow. Well, is that the when you play Pink Floyd over? Um, Wizard of Oz exactly so if, if anyone doesn't know about this you start Pink Floyd's um, Dark Side of the Moon on the second roar of the lion I think the second or third roar look that up yeah of the lion the MGM lion um, which I think ate its owner a couple of days after they recorded that it's true yeah ate wow. its face that's brutal um, and the anyway you watch it uh, and you know you could be you could be on some kind of illicit substance. I don't know. Something that you would get busted for in Tasmania three times? Maybe. Maybe. And have to do a call. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and your brain is looking for meaning. Yeah. In, in, the, in the image and the, and the visual. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I think we've been lucky sometimes. Other times that we worked hard to get it right. But it just seems to like line up in ways that always seem to make sense I think it's something is in like video editing as well like you put a song to an edit that you haven't changed but the moment you put the song in you start to see the stuff beats hit stuff and you're like oh that's really cool and you're like well I didn't even plan that that just happened but as a viewer the person watching it thinks that you did that and you're like nah man that's just how it is that's just how it went down no I, I think there's an element of that for sure okay cool so that's really exciting for you then because it means you don't have to do as much work no I mean because as soon as you as soon as you start thinking we got it yeah, it'll fuck with you. <laughs> so you got to stay like um, always, kind of prepared for something to Check go wrong. Everything three times because you'll put it in, and then it'll be fucked, and you have to go back to the studio. Josh will yell at you. Now, Josh has never yelled at me in my life. <laughs> that's amazing. All right, cool. So that's kind of like the the the. the I'm hoping for listeners they have a bit of an idea now, but. The thing that's missing from this description before they go on YouTube it themselves, which I hope they just do, just go YouTube the oh, Artful Escape. Oh, wait till maybe a bit later. Oh, why? There might be some more stuff coming out soon. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, because the game looks very different. Oh, has it changed in its look? 
Yeah, a lot. Because oh. we have, you know, the great thing about being given money is you can hire people who are better than you. <laughs> so there's, you know, a real animator works here now and yeah. a real illustrator instead of me trying to do so, 25 different disciplines. So with the, um, with the demo that Annapurna saw at PAX many years ago yeah. after the Kickstarter campaign, like yeah. that was something that you had made with who else? Sean and Justin. That was it. So it was yeah. you three? Yeah, so they did the programming side and I did the All music, the, the animation, the rigging, the... Like, yeah. and the art style was your kind of look yeah, and feel, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah, and the dialogue and stuff like that. So I did all the arty stuff. They made it work. And um, the rest is history. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but that's interesting because, yeah, you're right. A lot of the stuff that's on YouTube is, you know, dated from like 2017. And, yeah. you know, your, your E3 stuff that was, I think IGN did like a an eight minute video I went on IGN yeah you're on IGN man yeah yeah it was fun they were very nice yeah, yeah. who did you speak to any of the IGN like to talk to Damon Hatfield was I he did, there at the time I think he was um McBiggity what's his name <laughs> I don't know I had a big I had a big IGN thing when I was a bit younger and then just you know I, I listened to like the IGN podcast and stuff man like I was full on it's for the kids I think <laughs> And also, I think gaming stopped being like my number one priority in life. So, like, sure. hearing about games that you're never going to play is like, it is sad. Yeah. It, it, you have to just get to a point where it's like, I think everyone has that rebellion, like, yeah, man, I'm going to play games forever until I'm like 50. And it's like, I still play heaps of games now, mm. like a lot, but like, it, I just don't have the time. I mean, I'm fucking doing this. Do you know how much time it takes to do this? You have to drive up here. That's... I had to drive up here. I got to record this. You know, that's, that's, three or four or five hours I could have been playing like you know a game when I'm I'm, I'm threatened by something like Red Dead Redemption 2 because it's so fucking long like it I don't have, long. I don't have time it. to play all this I, did you finish it? yeah I didn't finish it because when I play video games now I think this nice, is nice one Johnny you're working yeah <laughs> I'm always looking for any excuse to like and I think the podcast helps justify a lot if I, <laughs> I'm going to interview someone or I'm talking about a certain thing I'm like oh this is definitely going to come down as research at some point mm. Watching this on tax, seeing live bands or like playing games or watching movies, like it all, it all helps build the knowledge that I have that I mm. can then spout out on the podcast mic. Mm-hmm. I think in some weird way, right? And I feel like you'd feel the same way with game design. I just don't feel any more. I don't feel any guilt playing games. I don't know why. Like, it's funny you say like you know you feel like you grow out of games. It's funny, like even it's not. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. you put words in my mouth. Yeah, Johnny. sorry, sorry, sorry. They, never, you never grow out of games. Yeah. I love games. It's just I know that there's other things I need to be doing with my time. Mm. Like it's for me, it's one of those things where it's like for you, luckily, it's the vocation and your kind of passion. Mm. But for me, it's not. So when I play, mm. it just feels like this giant diversion from the things. It feels like procrastination in, in some yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Where I'm like, well, I could be doing this or I could be editing the next episode the, of the podcast. Do you feel the same way about films? Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Like anytime I'm not doing, like, don't get me wrong. I'll always make excuses to watch films and play games and, mm-hmm. and take that time to enjoy it. But it definitely feels like, oh fuck, should I be doing this or should I be mm. building towards my future? <laughs> that sounds kind of lame, but like, it's kind of true. Um, now I always feel like, I, I feel like that a lot. Mm. But I, yeah, I, no, that's, that's I, why. I, I used to be worse, but like, I used to be like, I would be at a party. I'm like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Like. That was me for many years. I think maybe until I chilled out, maybe a little, maybe four or five years ago. But no, I didn't like 
because you know like they're going on tour and stuff and coming home and and then like realizing you're not going to go out again it's like heavy you know what i mean Mm. i felt guilty that i hadn't like i wasn't you too you know so you know and then i so you just like work your ass off to, to an unhealthy point you know to, that was your kind of motivation at the start of this. I don't know if I mean my my wife who I've dated since I was fifteen or sixteen. We've been together for like seventeen years, I think. Wow! She's like you've always been like that. So so I don't know. Maybe I have always. <laughs> what do you mean by so always? Like as in like you've always been like you need to get home from the party because you need to be working on. something? I should be working on my record. Or I should be working on my yeah. book. Or I should be working on my game. I but, think it's very difficult to kind of compartmentalize that time and understand that, like, you do need... Like, I've heard people like uh, Kevin Smith, for example, talks about when he, like, makes a movie, he doesn't watch any movies. And I'm like, that seems weird. Like, that he's I don't like, think that... I don't... I, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Like, in that, you know, if he's not in, in absorbing media for, like, the last year that he's making that thing, then wouldn't that still dictate what he should do in his movie? Like... Sh- like the art form's always evolving. So if what, you if yeah. you insane the process of starting this game didn't play any games from yeah. like you'd be you'd end up with this product that feels like it's of another time and it'd have it wouldn't feel right. Yeah, that's a weird thing, isn't it? It is. Um, so anyway, Christopher that's, Nolan never works on weekends ever. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Does um do you like Chris Nolan? I, you know what, I, I was a big fan of the first two Batman movies. I've been told the third one is okay, but I need to rewatch it, maybe figure it out if it is or isn't. I think it was bad. No, it's not good. Um, I, I, I mean, look at us here, ragging on, ragging on Chris <laughs> Ragging Nolan. on the auteur, Chris Nolan. Yeah. No, look, I just, I'm a huge Batman fan, so I took it pretty personally when, like, you saw everything that, like, for, okay, so, just for listeners, if you, if this was going to be the kind of thing you would like clip out and put on YouTube for people to hate me, it'd be, all right, here's my problem with Chris Nolan's Batman is yeah. straight up at the end of Dark Knight, he breaks his leg or whatever and he doesn't go out and be Batman again. Instantly, that's everything that I've been taught about Batman is wrong because every Batman in the comics, cartoon, everything else, he would never stop. Like, mm. he's Batman. Like, that's his sole drive. So for him, in this little trilogy of movies, to just give up for like eight years, it's just like, what the it, fuck? It almost Dude. feels like, it, like he's the franchise. You know, like it, it, it. You know, after that, you know, Heath Ledger died. It was like awful, and everyone's like, "This, well, we're not coming back from this." Yeah, and maybe that, maybe that is Bruce Wayne. And he's just like, oh, he just limps back across the line. Look, if that who's the villain going to be? I don't know, Bane. Yeah, fuck. That was a strange choice. Um. Anyway, how do we get onto this? Oh, so I like Chris Nolan, but I haven't seen. I haven't seen Interstellar because my friends all went and saw it at IMAX and I missed the boat to go. So yeah. I didn't watch it then and I haven't watched it since because it's almost like intimidating. You know, when you mm. have a movie or a game or something that you're like, oh, we'll get to that at some point when I'm ready. Like when it comes to me. Yeah. Because I don't want to watch it when I'm not ready. Um, and I haven't watched yeah. Dunkirk either because war movies, they just fill me with a dread that's like, oh, this actually happened. Yeah, okay. And no, like, I so, get that. So I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan since I was a small child whenever Saving I watched Private it. Saving Private and uh, I, yeah, any war stuff makes me wig out. Dunkirk just looked miserable. The trailer. You know? Yeah. I was just like, oh, it saw like it, a slog. I saw it, the trailer in a cinema before like an actual movie came on. And, like, oh, for the first, just that scene? Yeah, for the first yeah. few minutes of that movie, I was still bummed because I was just like, wow, that actually happened to those poor yeah, dudes. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, well, fuck, that's... Ugh. And it's like, you know, for me, like cinema and games is pure escapism. I don't want to yeah. be reminded of how 
fucked real world scenario as well. Like, I don't want to watch Schindler's List, you know. I haven't do, seen. Do you know Brenton's right, Brent, uh, our friend Brenton Cole. Do you know his film rating system? What's his film rating system? All he does is say, "It was no Schindler's List followed by a star rating." <laughs> <laughs> every film, every film he sees. I want him to start like a, a YouTube Instagram. <laughs> I don't know if he's got enough content for a YouTube. <laughs> Just the gram. <laughs> Just the gram. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, fuck, how do we get onto this? So we're Chris talking about Nolan. Chris Nolan does it. Chris Nolan doesn't take days off. Uh, he takes what? He takes weekends off. That's what I read. <laughs> I am back this up. But what you're taking from that is you're like, fuck yeah. Well, if Christopher Nolan takes Saturday, Sundays off, I can pl- take some time, play some games, maybe go to a party every now and then, and you don't feel like you have to just constantly be working. I, I haven't been as bad lately because I feel like I am. Um, I have a real job and a paycheck and stuff, so I'm, mm. I'm not I'm not as hungry anymore. I'm doing my worst work. <laughs> You're comfortable now. Yeah, you know, in your corporate fat cat. Yeah, HQ here. Look at me here on Elizabeth Street. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. What are we talking about? We're going to talk about bad robots. We're going to talk... I guess... I think we've closed a lot of loops. I'm hoping, listeners, if uh, we've missed some, uh, yell at me on Instagram. Fuck you, Tara lady. Um, tell me about your time at Bad Robot. What point did this happen in your career? So, how um, did this happen? I already signed at this point to Annapurna. Because you signed the contract at PAX Day 2? Oh, I didn't sign it then. It takes months. Oh, okay. They, they were like, I'm going to give you a contract. Um, and Bad Robot... I get... Oh, well... First of all, I get this email from like a, they're an agency that connects people. Like, you know, it, it, you pay them to be like, I need you to get an email to Nick Nolte. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Cause you got to get an email to Nick Nolte. Right? I've got the perfect script for him. <laughs> is it just mumbling? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the perfect script for Nick Nolte is. No, I'm yeah. never, I don't like Nick Nolte. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Nick Nolte roll on me like that. I, I also get him confused sometimes with other... With vi- Gary Busey. Yeah, other vintage actors from that yeah, era. Yeah, Gary Busey's one. What um, about if Nick Nolte and Gary Busey did a film where they're not sure if if either is who they say they Yeah, are? and then you could feature like a little bit of Tom Waits. In my head, he kind of looks and sounds like Tom Waits in my mind. Like that one. Yeah, I get that. He's like, similar. He's just this gruff, oldish person. A surrealist like. painting. <laughs> How the fuck do we get Nick Nolte? Oh, so you, the agency. So you... Yeah, and they're like, um, well, someone's looking to get in contact with you um, from Bad Robot. Can I give them your details? And I was like, from Bad Robot? I'm like... JJ motherfucking Abrams? JJ's giving me the call up. Yeah. He wants me to be the new... He wants me to be the lower half of Darth Maul <laughs> in the sequel. Um, and I went there... So what era, What time was this? Like what year? Give I'm, me like, I'm overdoing E3 last... 2017. 2017. Okay, so middle um, of the year 2017? Yeah. I'm over there and they're like, come to Bad Robot and have a meeting um, and show your game to some people. And I was like, oh, um, I'd love to. So I rock up. Now, one thing I've learned, because I've been to a few movie studios now is or production studios they're disguised as different things which i thought was super cool whoa so like it looks like you know building and construction on the outside then you walk in and there's like oh no like they're disguised as like a carpet warehouse yeah bullshit yeah yeah um, i went to one that is um was a gallery you know it says it's a gallery but it's not you know like 
So that's a cool little thing. Already I'm like, this is so cool. This is like that shit in like Captain America where he goes into the antique shop and there's like a lab down. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like <laughs> that. And you gotta like say a code to get down yeah, to the lab yeah. bit. Oh you had to I had to share my passport in the in the intercom camera. Awesome. Um anyway, but I won't tell you what bad robot it's described as. But yeah. Sorry, disguised as disguised as. Um but I'm out the front and there's nice cars going in and out. There's a valet there. Um at this at this place that shouldn't is disguised as a place that shouldn't just, have. I was a just valet. about to say if it was something like a like a warehouse or a carpet yeah, thing. It's like if there's a valet like, dude, you're gonna know that something's a bit off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's valets, and as you know, as you know, Rory, I'm a star fucker. <laughs> so I'm like looking around, and I'm like trying to get look in the windows and shit as I'm kind of pacing back and forth, waiting for my time that I can rock up to the door. Anyway, this motorbike rocks up next to me. Like really nice, like black, snake-hipped kind of cafe racer, and um, you know I feel like a disturbance in the force. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck, who's this?" And he's he like sends a message on his phone, slides off his bike, and he's he's um, two meters away, and he slides off his helmet, and it's Keanu, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit, here's my moment. I'm meeting Keanu." And I was like, what's up, dude? And he goes, good morning. And then he puts his helmet under his arm, walks across a three-lane highway to, to the like the tra- median strip yeah, the, in the, the middle, traffic island. The traffic island and sits under a tree. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like looking around. I'm like, is this real? Is this if I took my photo, if I took my camera out now and took a photo, like, it would be a meme. Like look, yeah. look at Keanu just sitting under a tree on a highway. People must have just been driving past, going, "Was that fucking Keanu Reeves under that tree?" And um, it was. It fucking was. Is this like this was 2017? So would have this been like John Wick era? Did he have like the, he the long longish hair? hair? Yeah. Did he have the beard? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I went into Bad Robot, which is has so many cool props, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, like it, where, where you sit to wait <coughs> to go in. Um, there's like, um, like heaps of Spock stuff. And like, I got to hold like some of the Star Trek blasters from the original series. Uh, I think they're called phases. Uh, oh my God. This is so embarrassing. Get um, out. Give me your computers that make games. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You failed. <laughs> um, I got to hold the Star Wars blasters as well. Mm. The Stormtroopers. There you go. Blasters. That's better. Um, was that an E ten? Was it an E ten blaster, or was it a? I think it was a. I think it was the. Um, I think I think I might be talking at my ass, but the, I think the F one eleven. The um, it was the four twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lifelike sculpture of Grand Moff Tarkin in there. Whoa! It was that was cool. And then Keanu came in. I was still in the waiting area. And you know, did he just get rushed straight through? Keanu didn't wait. Of course he wouldn't. But he did sit down, like, just kind of across from me, and I snuck a quick photo of him. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Yes. I'll show it to you, but you can't swipe. It's okay. <laughs> you don't swipe, <laughs> Jerry! Um, he swiped! He swiped! Um, yeah, cool, I won't swipe. That's, that's fantastic. So you got yeah, a photo of Keanu Reeves. Keanu story. Cool. And what was the... Can I ask what the Bad Robot stuff was about? Do they just want to talk to you? Like, Oh, they ended up announcing, I think, a bit later on, they had an interactive division. And that was what it was about. Oh, but I, right. I, you know, really happy at Annapurna. 
Yeah, no, so that's right. So they were they were looking to try and poach you in a way. No, no, they weren't trying to poach you. They were just like... Did know. they know you had yeah, representation already? Yeah. They weren't trying to poach. They were just like, you know, if you do something else, let us know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and they were really nice. And it was one of the coolest experiences. Sick. <laughs> Their offices aren't as cool as Annapurna, though. I saw Annapurna has like a bunch of games in the shape of an A on they the wall. Is that literally thousands of VHS. Oh, they tapes. They're not yeah. games. Yeah, it's like it's two and a half stories tall or something. Jesus, it's really cool. That okay. place is a dream factory. I actually, I didn't. I only went into a little bit of Bad Road, but it's probably really cool. But the the Annapurna is off. The floor. You've seen more shit there because they're like you. I'm, I'm allowed to go around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, you, you're yeah. just walking to the one room that they're allowed to show you. Yeah, they told me not to take photos in the. Oh no, they said I could take photos in Bad Robot, but I wasn't allowed to post them. Shit. So I'll show you some later. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, that's why. Um, fuck. All right. Well, I feel like we've covered some some pretty good ground. There was one thing we were supposed to talk about pre-podcast and we didn't. Oh, the the, the Quentin Tarantino story about Terry Gilliam. So, oh, we've yeah. just we're gonna reverse engineer to get to that. If listeners, if you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. So you now, so your creative lead. Yeah. yeah, on this game, which yeah. I, is that essentially like for I guess comparative sake, is it like a director, like the director of a movie, like. Do all decisions kind of go through you, uh, or are you? Y- yes, no. I mean, I think that you have to have a more collaborative process with your programmer than a director has, maybe with their cinematographer. Like mm-hmm. the the programmers, like the lead programmer and the lead creative are equal. The hierarchy is that that yeah, like yeah, it's there's not. There's two. There's two people up the top there. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. In other video games, if you could give us a bit of an example, if there is such a thing, an easier one, like, are there, like, dynamic duos of people that are, like, a uh, creative director and a... Oh, man, people who make games a lot like bands. Like, they'll make a couple and then they'll split up. You know, like... <laughs> like, I could think of... Yeah. If I'm trying to think of celebrity names, like, um, my kind of understanding of that would be, say, like, a Corey Barlog, who did The God of War on PS4. Like, he's a bit of a rock star, kind of mm-hmm. in... Like he, he, you know, he's on Twitter and he's on podcasts and people interview him and he's like a dude and he tattooed the God of War thing on his neck just above the really? V neck of the shirt. It was always just kind of Did poking you out. See that video of him um, crying in bed when he read all the reviews. No, it was lovely. Because oh, all the reviews so were good, so it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It, it was, was a fucking like, great Thank game, you dude. So much. Yeah. So like he's one like Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog. I'm a bit of a Sony fanboy, so there's a lot, there's a lot of Sony names. Sure. But I know your game is Xbox and PC exclusive. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to play it on PC. Um. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I I don't know. Don't make me talk about my sponsors, man. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, hey, man. I buy an Xbox if I was rich. You know, like I just don't need. The, I don't have the need for both consoles. That's my only thing. Oh, don't make me do. A, don't make me do a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> the Xbox One X. Well, superior power. 4K gaming. Um. So anyway, so. Yeah, tell I us mean, about anyway, tell yeah. us about like creative versus you know the kind of is it practicality of a of a you know so you're a designer and they're mm. doing making sure it works is that kind of how it works or are they creative too? No, they're creative too. They definitely like you know everyone in the office contributes to the game, um, and yeah, I you know I found it a little bit hard at the start because you know it's your thing and I was doing everything and then suddenly you've got to. Delegate. Um, you've got to delegate, and you've got also got to let people put themselves into their work. Otherwise, you know, it's it's hollow. Interesting. You, know, you don't want to. You don't want. You know, our illustrator and animator. They have different styles than I do, but you know, they're 
superior to me in every way of their 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 skill set and their art um and they you know they're all artists they all have great ideas of their own you know so it's i think it's important to make sure everyone you know you can in a small team i don't know what it's like in a really big team but yeah because um, like some video games like when you're talking like assassin's creed and stuff and yeah. they're like 250 people working on a game yeah and sometimes they have day and night shifts whoa you know so they'll have one studio on the other side of the world so the game's being worked on 24 hours a day whoa yeah so i don't know that sounds, that would probably change the game a little bit sounds compared to but, but like horrifically awful um so yeah and uh, we were talking about like uh, so i had trouble with that at the start you know and it's hard to let go you know i'm like a control freak everyone who would do this sort of thing is probably control freak if every if everyone in this industry could clone themselves and then just make the game by themselves but with like 10 of themselves they would do it uh i i I might have said that at the start i wouldn't (laughs) say that now and what have you learned then what's what's changed yeah well i think yeah you've got to i I i've heard this thing of tarantino speaking and tarantino was like mentored by terry gilliam early in his career like before reservoir dogs i think and um Tarantino said to Gilliam like how you your films always have this great vision you know and everything comes together he's like how do you get that across how do you make that happen and he's like well your job is to explain it the best you can have that vision know what it is and explain it to the people you hire and they do it you know what I mean and it's okay to kind of let that go and and you know try not to be so controlling over everything and micromanage everything and let people do their own thing I mean I still step in and be like you know have some ideas but it's really important to like everyone's artistic everyone has artistic temperaments and you know it's important to respect everyone as an artist i think and nurture that i guess in their own way because then it's going to create a better product for you right like oh yeah absolutely i mean arden is excuse me arden, <laughs> arden is um you know an incredible illustrator and she's just so good with light and single so texturing and like um stuff that i could never reproduce and um you know, I thought my animations were good. Oh, they were fine. You know, and then you see like Tess do a um, a run cycling. Like, oh, I'm I'm awful. <laughs> you know, this is so, what it's meant to look like. So again, for listeners, a run cycle is just your character's animation of running, like yeah, a, yeah. like a back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, arms up and down. So yeah, what yeah. what does she do? That's like, how do you do oh, a bad run cycle? Like, what know. were you doing? I, this? It's like I think it's like watching the difference between a. a a professional puppeteer and someone with their hand in a sock you know like uh, they breathe life technically into they are both puppets but well, yeah 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 but you know one's, one's way not a puppeteer yeah right of course um and yeah she's just able to breathe life into characters and to you know these weird alien creatures that i draw i'm like bring that to life you know it's not easy i'm sure a lot of the stuff i give those guys so um yeah that's what that's what makes them fantastic and why i wouldn't yeah why i wouldn't want to clone myself and like there's no way i could do what sean or jb or jack does on the programming side of things like and sean like got such a fantastic gaming brain um of ways to approach things that i wouldn't think of coming from a creative standpoint also like sean knows what he's fucking talking about so (laughs) <laughs> you know I'm, I'm doing my best but I'm he's, still it's still my first yeah, game yeah he's not just some dude who comes blazing in and starts making games yeah yeah you know? fucking pointing fingers taking names the um yeah yeah I mean a lot of stuff with me and Sean is just like talking about you know making sure that the themes of the game you know resonate in the gameplay and um make sure that I don't 
make everything out of fucking glass with refraction that will destroy any computer <laughs> stuff like that. I love doing that Sean comes over looks over my shoulder looks at my screen it's like <sighs> <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> that's fantastic um, I feel like we've we've come to a nice kind of conclusion because I don't really have anything else to ask we can continue talking forever but how do you feel well, look, here's, there what, here's how I feel about Christopher Nolan. Okay. Um, I'm ready. We're done. We're done now. Pack yeah. away. Artful escape. Let's talk about what do you think Let's about Nolan? Let's talk about Chris Nolan. Is, does Chris Nolan, at some point he decided he didn't want to be Spielberg. He didn't want to be Kubrick. He wanted to be both <laughs> at the same time. And that's why you have a film. Can I... Can we do interstellar spoilers here? Well, I've never seen it, so just hit me up. But I understand listeners also spoilers. We're going to talk about it. They go into the future and the kids get old or something. Is that the go? I think that's what's on the back of the box. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. The, uh, so that's not even a spoiler. No, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, but like in in the same film, you have like Anne Hathaway doing this um, like monologue on how love is the most powerful force in the universe. Wouldn't it be like a black hole though? Well, that's her point. You know. <laughs> Um, and that's real Spielberg. That's real Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the end, they're in a time tesseract, <laughs> you know, and it's, that's like, and like the film's just obviously so. 2001 Kubrickian? Kubrickian is a good word, yeah. Um, I think that's, it's totally entered the vernacular, like Orwellian or, you know, like any, any, yeah. anyone's got a very specific vision. Yeah. You can I just mean, add that. It's, it. Isn't it? Dickensian. That's another good one. It's, it's so easy to just rag on really amazing big films though, isn't it? It is. I think it, I think it helps make us feel better because it kind of deflates it. So you don't feel as bad. I that, mean, if you made Interstellar, I'd be like, fucking hell. Nice work, dude. That was incredible. But I think it's easy for someone like Christopher Nolan who... Because, like, I mean, that dude started humbly, you know, with, like, Insomnia and Memento and things like that. They're, like, pretty kind of interesting, arty angles at, you know, thrillers and stuff. And then, you know, you go and do Batman and then it's like, oh, shit, okay, I've got a bit of a vibe for this now. And Warner's giving me money. And Mm. I think then you can start tackling... I think... And when you're, you're like, passion projects also make... 300 500 million dollars exactly i think that's just the process of every filmmaker probably has that movie in them but you need to hit a certain trajectory to be like all right cool so i've i've smashed it out of the park with these movies and i'm getting money to do this now so i'm going to do it i think a lot of people just stay at this base level where like a lot of filmmakers have that have a dunkirk in them or a Mm. or a thing there's a new chris nolan who's about to step from the the Shadows. The, the, well, not from the shadows, from the, to the next echelon. Oh, okay. Who's that? Who do you think it is? <sighs> Fuck. You got to give me some hints, man. It's like it's, what, when it's, you say he's already ne- made big films, but I reckon he's about to become like people, sixteen-year-olds on the internet forums say he's the best, like they do about Chris Nolan. Oh, be, right. Okay. Denis. Oh, of course it'd be Denis. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think I think Denis. I think Denis way better. Yeah, I think he's in a different class yeah. because I... Who did I... I was watching one of those... I think it was one of those like Vanity Fair, like they talk to a person and they go through their filmography. Have you ever mm. watched those videos? They're fantastic. Okay. It's either Vanity Fair or GQ. And it'd be like Jake Gyllenhaal breaks down all of oh, his roles sure, yeah. or I just watched a Kevin Bacon one and I was like, fuck, that dude's been in heaps of movies and yeah, he's often I've a bad guy. a bunch of times. Have you? 
Oh, and just on screen. Mm. Yeah. On your phone, never swipe. I'm going to see Kevin Bacon's yeah, dick. You know, I've only seen those bits of the film, of Kevin Bacon's films. <laughs> but anyway, one of them, I think it, it was, maybe it was Gyllenhaal talking about Denny in like Prisoners or something mm. and talking about his process, even like on Prisoners, which was, was that his first movie? His first Hollywood movie? Oh, I don't know if it's his first one, but it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it was, well, it was the first thing, I guess, that kind of brought him to, because yeah. it was a blacklist script and it was, you know, everyone oh, really? was kind of, ex- yeah, it was on the blacklist, I think, for years. So it was like one of those coveted projects, like who's going to do Prisoners? Yeah. Um, but just him, or maybe it was him talking about Arrival, that, which I also, was probably one of my favorite movies of the last. How good is Arrival? Like, I haven't seen Interstellar, but I fucking loved Arrival. Oh, it's way like, better. It's, Arrival's way better. Yeah, so uh, that's from my buddy Josh, who told me to watch that one night, and I dropped everything and watched it, and I was like, holy shit, thank you. For... And then I, I listened. Uh huh. Oh, you know what it might have been? It might have been the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. You ever listened to that podcast? They He just interviews writers of movies and they did an Arrival one. And I think he maybe the writer was talking about Denny and about how he was like, we need to change this because that doesn't work. or like He's, yeah, well, he's that, so that, thoughtful. That's based on a novel, mm. Arrival. And it was always said to be like unfilmable. Um, but anyway, we're getting off track here. But what I'm trying to say is that people have mentioned and I've heard like firsthand from YouTube or podcast or whatever that they talk about Denny and he seems to really know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, mm. and everything is there for a specific reason. Yeah. I don't know that much about Nolan. So I can't say, I can't say, Oh, he definitely planned all that. Maybe the dude's just really lucky and works with really talented people and oh, produces. I think, Nolan, I think they all know what they're doing. Mm. They would have been begging him to come back for Batman three. <laughs> don't you reckon they would have just been driven a mu- like a truck full of money out, to yeah, his house? He like, oh, there's another truck out there. Fuck's sake! I'm gonna have to say yes now. There's I'm three have now. To call get get Tom Hardy. Mm. We'll put a mask on him. <laughs> but I haven't seen. I haven't but seen. Can I just quickly say one thing sure. about Brad Pitt? Sure. What? Yeah. How did that? Where does this come from? Well, I was just thinking about. You know, it's like, what, you know... Why could you got Tom Brad Hardy's Pitt to play real, Tom Hardy's a real good-looking man. You cast him as the dude with no face, you know? Anyway, can I say, I watched Moneyball the other day mm-hmm. um, with Brad Pitt. And let me tell you what's something that puts me off about Brad Pitt films. Tell me. No one ever mentions that he's the best-looking man in the world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like this manager at the baseball club and he's picking players and he's talking to people and shit. And, and no like- one goes... God damn it, man. You're really good looking, dude. Why do you play... Why are you a baseball coach? Yeah, like, why are you a cop in a constantly rainy <laughs> town chasing down Kevin Spacey? Like, shouldn't you be you a model? model, man. You should... <laughs> anyway, that's what I always think about Brad Pitt in films. I was like, why is no one acknowledging this? I hope that's going to break it for some people as well. That yeah. They're listening now and like, fuck, I can't appreciate Brad Pitt anymore because yeah. he's just too damn handsome. Yeah. How? Okay, so... I forget what we was, sorry. We're talking about auteurs. We're talking about... Oh, Denis. Th- what do you think... Oh, did you like... Um, so I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Blade Runner yet. Because... What? Because... So here's the problem. I wanted to watch the original Blade Runner, but there's about fucking 16 different versions of it. I borrowed the DVD or the Blu-ray off my uncle. And you watch the directors. Yeah, but then isn't the director's one bad because they put all this stuff in? That, oh, like, the no, unicorn it's only a and... few shots. Don't worry about it. Okay, so you watch that one. Because I've yeah, heard... You, you don't want to watch the, the you top don't want... one with the narration. Yeah, the narration's bad. And I remember the narration being bad. So you've got to watch the one without that, but with the yeah. flying unicorn. Yeah, don't worry about the unicorn. Just skip the unicorn. It doesn't matter. Okay. But didn't... Isn't there also, like, it's he put thing. something in in the director's cut that, like... That says that um, he... Deckard's a replicant. But he's not, though. Oh, in, I don't care. In canon or not canon? I don't know. So anyway... Uh, Rip, Ridley Scott says that he is. 
But, oh, really? But Harrison Ford says, no way, that's stupid. And apparently they were getting into arguments on the set of, um, of 2049 when he was rocking up and talking about the story or whatever. They're like, fuck off, Ridley. Fuck off, Ridley. You don't even know what you're doing. You made Alien Covenant. You can fuck off because yeah. that was balls. I didn't I didn't appreciate that. I've not that. seen Covenant. I didn't but, appreciate you know, it at all. Alien's good. <laughs> Just because you make a really good movie like 30, 40 years ago, it doesn't mean you get to shit on it like years later with like a crappy prequel that like negates everything that makes the first one good. Yeah. Can I say, you know what's great about films that's different about music? Tell it's me. like you can have one hit. And people will give a shit for the rest of your career what you make. But if you're like, doing you know, music... From the director of The Fifth Element. They're like, Luke, you've directed 12 films since then, buddy. Yeah. Or hey, like he Neil... also did Leon the Professional, which yeah, is I fucking know, sick. You can Neil... still claim those two on a Neil poster. Neil Bloomkamp's made 25 films, and they all say, from the director mm, of District, District 9. 9. Mm. Well, that's just a shame, because I didn't like Elysium, and I didn't like Chappie. No. And what's he done? What else did he do? Oh, a whole bunch of short films. Oh, yeah. The Oat stuff. I haven't watched any of that. Is it good? I haven't watched it. Hmm. Look, um, but you know what? I'll give Neil Blomkamp credit because I really like District 9. It was really fucking good. I'm not going to shoot that prod. <laughs> like, it's amazing. It blew yeah. my mind. So I still... I I've, I went and saw Chappie and I went and saw Elysium because I wanted to give it... I'd still give him a... I'd give him a four shot for sure. Um, Especially uh, as a Elysium. video gamer, right? Didn't that... Didn't that tickle some some bits for you when in District 9 he's like doing first person stuff of like alien guns and blows up it was amazing it was like the coolest video game movie I've ever seen mm, it's a great film mm. it's just one of those weird Mad Maxian sort of films you know it's just like it comes out of nowhere and it's like a director no one knows and mm. pretty cool anyway yeah. June's gonna be sick yeah so that's the new film I don't like to Denny I don't like to fanboy but Blade Runner was so good. So talk I like to... the new Blade Runner better than the old Blade Runner. Whoa, yeah. huge call. I'll have to watch it 2049. I'll have, to, I'll have to have a post conversation about this later. But that also seems to influence your style, right? Like the style of the game, not necessarily like cyberpunky, but that kind of neon-y, the I do music like a bit that... of neon. I do, like a, I do like a Vangelis synth. I've always liked a Vangelis synth. Um, and Joshua Worker has the best collection of synths in the world so it's incredible it's like a spaceship cool his studio um so yeah i always love big droney synth stuff um because it's easy to make no 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 that's not true it's easy when you got josh he just makes it fantastic talk about other things what else is on your mind what else do you want to put out on the podcast oh you're just a you're just a dog without a leash at this point oh um have you been watching Love Island? <laughs> I haven't, but my I have, wife has. That sounds like trashy television. Uh, it's ironic that Love Island has destroyed my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us... I don't know what Love Island is. No, nah, let's not go into it. I, oh. I've never even watched it. Because, dude, I've been watching heaps of trashy reality shows with my girlfriend at the moment. We've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And we've been watching Amazing Race. And mm. a lot of races. Uh, watched... A couple of episodes of Skin Wars on on Netflix <laughs> yeah. because it, it's like it, no no it's body painting. Oh right! But RuPaul is one of the judges, and I love RuPaul, so I'm like, let's get down with this. And RuPaul's it's like pretty good. It's like there's like a Guy Fieri looking dude painting. He's like, oh, sweet bro, it's because like, you get to paint on naked chicks for a job. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch more of this because this is pure trash. Um, it does sound trashy. But 
oh, I can only have bursts of trash and then I need to go and like clean my brain with really cool stuff. And are, then you, I, are you going to go and see cats? Oh, fuck, dude. So <laughs> this touches a nerve because my girlfriend oh, really? loves cats, like listens to the soundtrack of cats when she's like cooking in the kitchen and stuff. Wow. And what'd she think? Uh... I don't know what she thought of the trailer. I sent it to her. I tagged her in on Instagram because it was mm. an IGTV little thing. Sure. Um, I think the anthropomorphized, or how do you say that word? Anthropomorphized. Yeah. The fucking cats look weird and yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'm excited. Do the lady cats have man cat chests? Is that one of the things that's weird about it? I, from what I can remember from what I saw the trailer, the, the girly cats kind of had mound boobs. Do like they? Like they had kind of okay. cat boobs. But, but then they've got like Idris Elba's in it and I love Idris Elba and I'd just give I'd give him any time of day for he plays I think he plays the one six, cat 6.15 8.45 I'd give I'd give him 9.41 anytime oh. he's great I watched his whole Netflix show Turn Up Charlie which was like him just being a DJ slash nanny to Piper Perabo's kid um, was great that, is that a reality show? no it's like a I, I don't know someone just said hey Idris Elba do you want to make a show and he's like fuck yeah I'm Idris Elba I'll do whatever he's pretty great he's great um, Did you ever see The Dark Tower? No, I was never. I've never read the books, and I don't understand the lore or the mythology around it. I know it's got a really like ravenous fan base, but and then oh, when I heard yeah. that they ripped it to shreds, I was like, well, maybe it's something I'll watch. You know, on a on a on a know. flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. I saw that movie on a plane, and people still walked out. <laughs> so, what did you think of The Dark Tower? Did you see it? No, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> We need to go there. That sounds like a Matt, fucking... Matt McConaughey turned down being um, the dad in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to play that role. Um, oh, but I'm glad it was Kurt Russell. That Kurt works Russell out better. Kurt Russell was really good in that. Yeah. Did you like the second one? It's it's probably my least rewatched Marvel movie. Yeah, That's I'm, not because I didn't like it. Yeah. It's just because it was great when I saw it and it almost feels like... I, I genuinely was surprised by the, the, you know, the twist on where the dad went because I was like oh, maybe this is going to go in a different direction. It actually kind of threw me off guard. And I feel like watching it again now that I know would be good. But I tried to watch it after a big night a few months ago and I just kind of got halfway through it. And then that was like, I think that's it. I've watched like one and a half times. Mm. Of, of all, I was probably like Ant-Man and the Wasp is probably the other one that's like, I saw it one time. I was like, that was fine. I don't think I need Did to see it like again. Endgame? We're going to go into Marvel films? Fuck. Or? All right. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I liked Endgame a whole lot. I didn't see the plot holes that people saw. I didn't complain. I didn't get annoyed that Captain America wouldn't just hang out and let all that stuff happen. I'm like, maybe he would. You know, in this version, let it happen. I don't care. Like, I'm oh, fine then with he it. he would have stopped stuff as he was. Yeah. Like aged. people got really annoyed that he wouldn't be. He knows how it ends. Yeah, and I think they tried to make it very clear in the movie that you can't change that stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I thought it was. Well, I don't really know. The travel thing was so dumb. The first third of the film was so dumb. In what what part? <laughs> Just like how Paul Rudd goes, oh, oh, when they're trying to figure out travel. time traveling, and, and then and then and then Tony Stark goes, it's impossible, and then he does it in an afternoon. Yeah, and then oh, the Hulk then, also you know, is good at it. Goes, uh, Just uh, flip the Mobius strip over and uh, carry the one. <laughs> oh shit! Time travel. And like that looked easy, Tony. So what you're saying is you didn't like Endgame? Or no, I thought it was fun. I totally put aside any quabbles or bullshit to enjoy that movie for what it was, which was a closing off of that whole thing. I loved all the things that finally happened, all the little team ups and all the little chats mm. happened, and I was like, great. I watched it twice at the movies. Helped it's to get weird, over the line it? at it's the box like office. It's like a film 
that it is so rare because like it cannot exist without 20 other films mm, and like, like if you just watch that as one off you're like what the fuck is going on that was something that i think people mentioned about infinity war in that they were like oh it's like a middle episode of game of thrones that movie that oh, like yeah, right. a bunch of people are just everywhere shit's happening you have to just know who they are where they're going what yeah. they're doing and you would just be confused as fuck if you walked into that. And yeah. yeah, it's pretty rare in this day and age that that would just that would also be one of the highest grossing movies of all time. The well, that well, Infinity oh, War is probably yeah. that have to be in the top ten too, right? Like, oh, your film's a piece of shit if it doesn't make a billion dollars. <laughs> it's such a funny world we live in now. Can I? I'm going to rein you back in and talk about games now because that's okay. games industry is very similar to the movie industry in that it's like you've either got an indie darling hit that was made by one person mm. and made like a billion dollars and the guy's now a millionaire or you've got these teams that work day and night 250 people different sides of the planet you know like how do you feel do you feel that pressure of being a nine person studio making something that's going to be you know like like how how do you like do you often find yourself having to stop yourself to compare the game to say Assassin's Creed? Like, you know, oh, like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. Um, like, do you, or do you just think to yourself, man, we're a totally different thing. People play different stuff or like, how do you, how do you justify I, that to yourself? I don't know. I might've done that if I was a bit younger. I just feel like I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I'm just kind of confident with what I, who I am creatively and it doesn't really bother me too much. I, I think if you make a game as weird as ours... Not, not that it's super weird, but, like... I'd, and I'd be very surprised if something like it, you know, was there to challenge it when it came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm No, I don't compare myself to that sort of stuff. I think we're making something pretty different and far out, so... Which is good. If I was making a shooter, I'd be I'd be checking Polygon and IGN every morning, you know? Like, oh, God, what else, what's come out? <laughs> Have they changed the mechanics? Like, do I need to have... Yeah, I need a Nemesis system now. Oh, yeah. The ne- what, so the Nemesis system was brought in in Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. And then what's been... What, what have they done since then with the Nemesis system? I think they updated it a little bit. The, the, I played Shadow of War. Is that the second one? What's the second yeah, one? Yeah, Shadow of War, yeah. Yeah, God, that game was long. So no one else has tackled the Nemesis system yet, though. What I you're saying is that... I people who were trying to bring the Nemesis system into car racing games, which I thought was interesting. That's actually pretty interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because then you can do like a Fast and Furious style storyline where like the, that orange car rocks up and you're like, oh, that's that guy that beat me last time. I read this article once called What Tiger Woods Can Learn From Portal. Um, and it was like that you can have a great mechanic, but you, it can be brilliant if you add a good narrative. Yeah. Uh, I think we actually talked about this on the yeah, last maybe podcast. Did, yeah. yeah, because um, it was an interesting, you're, you're totally right. Um, I, you know, I want to play Caddyshack, the game. Not, yeah. not not Tiger Woods EA golf. So it's golf as you know it on a game where like you know you swing you know the sticks back and forth. And, but a, it's but it's got some shit in between. It's a yeah, comedy. Yeah. There's you know. a game I couldn't recommend highly enough. It's an Australian made game called Golf Story. Yeah. And it's like a kind of Pokemon looking. How do you RPG. get it? What, what platform is it on? Okay, cool. It's probably on PC as well. Um, but it's on Switch. I played it on Switch, and it's just the most charming little golf story. <laughs> <laughs> really good game. Play it. Great. So what you're saying is, with proof of golf story, is that you can make any game, and at this point, because of the internet, because of the multitudes of how we consume media, there's going to be a lovely little place for your game to sit on. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. I hope, you know, I don't want to oversell it, but, you know, I hope it's, it's you know, it's, I hope the, it's greatest, the, ga- the, the greatest <laughs> thing ever made. Your most favorite game you I haven't played yet. I want it to yet. be compared to, you know, 
the statue of David. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or Warhol's soup cans. Whoa. It's a, it's a, it's a watershed moment in video gaming. (laughs) That should be on the poster. I'll, I'll start a fake video game review site. What's it called? Uh, I don't know. That's a good point. It'd be punny. It'd be like a game design pun. Can you give me like a game design? Yeah, you're throwing this back at me now. Yeah. Like what's like a word or something like, you know, like there's that company called Splash Damage or like, you know, it's something that like, it's a gamey kind of term, like Respawn, Waypoint, something like that, you know. Days of Devon. What? Days of Devon? What's what's Days of Devon? (laughs) Days of Heaven is a Terrence Malick film and Devon is making games. Devon and... Oh, you mean like Dev... (laughs) Apostrophe Is that too punny? It's, it's pretty good Alright so on Days of Devon So I'm going to write It's like the Andy Warhol's paint cans But in game form Yeah Days of Devon Yeah Dot com Yeah That'll look good on the Game of the Year edition Of the game that Like you Kubrick But better <laughs> <laughs> This is like Christopher Nolan But this motherfucker Works Saturdays and Sundays Yeah absolutely <laughs> To make this thing it's perfect like Christopher Nolan Worked on the weekend <laughs> <laughs> Well I think that's a perfect place to end this podcast. I hope that is the quotes. I hope they, they're even better than that when the game comes out next year, 2020. 2020. But you can't look at it on YouTube yet because if you do, it's old. It's look old. On, look know, on YouTube we'll show you when... some new stuff by the end of the year, I think. <laughs> so just hold off. Just whatever you can imagine I'll, in your I'll, head. Look, if you're listening to this, I'll email you. <laughs> I'll send you a link. Do you want to get the company that gets the email from them to you and then the make go- sure it's okay? Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, man. No problems. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. All right. Post ramble on uh, episode four. <laughs> Couldn't even keep track of my own episodes, Rory. Uh, post ramble. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to do like a post ramble thing. Um, a lot of people do a pre ramble. I fucking hate a pre ramble. On podcasts, I definitely skip them. I'm sorry, famous podcasters, or maybe less famous podcasters. I just get straight into the meat of it. Um, my brother recently gave me a critique of the podcast that I need to stop so much pre ramble and just get straight into it. So, you received Gus. You will be a guest on the show at some point. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, Gus, if you guys don't know, did all the design work for Fuck You Tarot Lady. So, everything that you see on Instagram and uh, the Facebook page I'm making now, ugh. Um, but all the design is him and I'm so very proud of it. It looks fantastic thanks to his delicious graphic design work. Anyway, look, um, we're fully in post-ramble mode because I've been talking for a minute and haven't said shit. But uh, I wanted to talk today about motivation. Johnny's card asked yourself if what you would do, like fighting for is worth it, right? And I think to myself, geez, all right, the podcast is a lot of work and I need to be very motivated to do it because even doing these post rambles, right? Like in previous episodes, I'm like, oh fuck, I'm not going to do a post ramble because I have to get the fucking gear out of the <laughs> the storage case, suitcase thing, the fake Pelican that I bought for my gear. I have to pull it all out and set it up and record something and talk some shit and then hate it and then delete it and then record again and then mess it up and then think I'll edit it, but then I won't edit it because I'm too lazy. So I'll leave some shit in like that stuff in the previous first minute. So I appreciate that, that I just left it in. That's just pure laziness more than anything. Um, I hit a lot of walls with the podcast because it's hard. It costs money, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. I've got to drive places. And, you know, the rewards might not seem as clear cut, you know, like if you're a dude doing this for a job and you're getting paid, that's great. But for me, this is purely a labor of love. I'm spending a lot of money on this and getting zero back. But 
When people follow me on Instagram that I don't know, that's probably the greatest gift that I could ever get from doing this podcast. So thank you, people following on Instagram. That makes me feel very special. Um, I think after a little bit of, you know, thinking uh, outside the box and I'm trying to look through a different lens, I found what I really enjoyed about the podcast and what kind of keeps bringing me back, especially what brought me back after the hiatus of um, doing Key of Solomon with Matt and then that kind of ending and then me being like, what do I do now? Do I do, do I go solo? It's going to be a lot of work because I could rely on Matt to do a lot of stuff on the previous podcast. Now I've got to do it all by myself. Um, but I think the thing that cracked for me finally was the Johnny episode was really great because I hadn't seen Johnny in a very long time. I've known Johnny for over 10 years now, at least. I definitely probably met him when I was about 17 and I'm 30 now. So it was just a fantastic opportunity to catch up with Johnny. And not only was it a fantastic opportunity to catch up with Johnny and have a chat with him and then record it for everyone to enjoy, I also got to go to a game development studio in the heart of Melbourne, albeit, you know, quite small, as we talked about. There's only, you know, a couple of desks in there. But God damn it, is that inspiring? You know, you get to see people in Melbourne making this game and the game's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited to get that thing in my hands finally on PC, not on PlayStation. Um, but it's it's fantastic. And it got me up there and I never would have gone to visit Johnny's studio if it wasn't for this podcast. So that's kind of my, you know, like, get your boots on, go to Melbourne, do this thing. You might not see the benefits of it straight away, but then when you do do it. You're like, fuck, that's really inspiring. And I, I hope that inspires the listeners too. I hope that in some way this podcast can either be entertainment or it can be a motivational tool, whatever it needs to be for you. I want that to be it, you know? Um, otherwise it's just kind of a waste of time, isn't it? Let's all get something out of this podcast. You know, I want it to be for me as much as it is for you guys. Um, so yeah, if that's something that you need to do, if you need that push, know that Rory Beforth, the host of Fuck You Tara Lady, is so lazy. I'm so lazy. I've been putting off doing this episode and post ramble. I've been putting off editing it. I've been putting off doing everything, you know, like it's just so easy to put things off when they don't have that instant, you know, benefit, that instant gratification of like, oh, I've done that thing. Sweet. You know, um, this is a real labor of love and I'm really happy that it's continuing to grow and it's starting to kind of get some legs and people are liking it and it's really exciting. So again, thank you so much for listening and, uh, yeah, can't wait to can't wait to show you what's in store for the future. Cheers.